scripture reading this morning you will find in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. From Matthew 27, I will begin the reading at verse 32 and read through verse 50. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the, crowd, from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. So far the reading of God's holy word. Our text this morning you will find in the Gospel of Mark, not as it says on the bulletin board, that was last week's sermon text, uh, and I neglected to change that in the bulletin. But it's Mark chapter 15, and I will read the verses 33, to 36, 37. Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. 
And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Beloved congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have noticed it before, there are many similarities between the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. Oh yes, there are also differences. The writers have their own style, and the Gospel of Mark is much shorter than that of Matthew. But the two record pretty much the same events and they record the events in much the same order. The structure of the two Gospels is the same. But then it is remarkable that in recording the words of our text, there is a clear difference between the two. See, both Gospel writers mention the mockery hurled at Jesus after he had spoken his fourth word. And both record the fact that Jesus' words, Eloi, Eloi, were maliciously changed, altered, into a call for Elijah's help. But when the question is raised, who did that? See, then Matthew tells us that there was a man there who gave Jesus something to drink. And that the others, the crowd, then shouted, Wait, stop, let's see if Elijah is really going to come to help him. But according to Mark, it was that man, the one who gave Jesus something to drink, it was that man who said, wait, let's see if Elijah will come. Well, that appears to be a contradiction, but really it is not. Rather, it tells us that the mockery was much more demonic than we had first thought. See, when that man approached Jesus with his vinegar-soaked sponge, why then the crowd tried to stop him. Are you silly? They said. He's calling for Elijah. He didn't ask you for a thing. Put that sponge away. Let's see if Elijah is really going to come to his rescue. See, that, that's the story according to Matthew. But, and now we hear Mark, but they didn't stop the man. Must I quit, he asks. Here, the man is calling for Elijah, but see how very thirsty he is. 
If I don't forthwith give him something to drink, he may well die before Elijah gets here. Let me go, therefore, and give the man something to drink. A bit of vinegar should revive him. Then maybe Elijah will come in time. And if Elijah doesn't get here on time, why then it ain't our fault. And you hear it, both are mocking Jesus. The one side, the crowd, doesn't want to lift a finger to help him. He's calling for Elijah, they said. So let's wait and see if Elijah will come. The other side, the man with the vinegar says, oh yes, he is calling for Elijah, all right, but seeing his condition, I better give him something to drink, else Elijah may come too late. See, there the situation. We now listen to what the gospel tells us about the suffering of Christ on the day of his crucifixion and atoning death for us, for our salvation. I proclaim to you Jesus Christ, mocked because of his fourth word. There are three thoughts as follows. The majesty of Christ behind this mockery, the suffering of Christ in this mockery, and the answer of Christ to this mockery. First of all, then, we will focus on the majesty of Christ behind this mockery. Mark tells us in verse 35, and some of the bystanders Hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. You hear it? Their words of mockery were spoken in reaction to Jesus' fourth word. This was their response to his heart-rending cry, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. For us to understand how terribly demonic this mockery really was, it is important that we pay careful attention to the context where it was spoken. Remember, those bystanders had corrupted the words of Jesus' cry of anguish. Ah, yes, they had corrupted it into a call for Elijah. And see, thereby, they had intensified the suffering of our Savior immensely. Because, you see, it was at, at, at that very moment that Jesus was suffering the anguish, the torment of hell, the agony of God-forsakenness. That's what hell is. God forsakenness, now intensified a hundredfold by the mockery of those bystanders. 
<coughs> but now, the moment you see that, you see also the majesty of Christ behind that mockery. Remember, Christ had called out, Eloi, Eloi, words meaning, my God, my God, to which the crowd had responded by saying, he is calling Elijah. But about that response of the crowd shows, it proves that he had definitively defeated his enemies. Ah, yes, he had majestically defeated them. You will see that when you look at it in context. Think of it. When Jesus spoke his fourth word from the cross, he had actually spoken, ah, yes, he had cried out the words of Psalm 22. That psalm, as you may know, begins with the same words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the question presents itself, why? Why had Jesus quoted the words of that psalm? Had he more or less arbitrarily introduced that psalm into the events relating to his suffering, into the narrative, if you will, of his passion? Oh, no. Surely not. As a matter of fact, it was the crowd that had first brought up Psalm 22. It was the crowd that had already mocked the Savior with the words they had taken from that psalm. Remember, no sooner had Jesus been hung on the cross or the crowds, especially the scribes and Pharisees, had introduced that psalm into the events relating to his suffering, into the narrative, if you will, of his passion. This is what they said. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he, God, desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. That's what the crowd had said. And you can be sure they knew exactly what they were saying. They knew their Bible. They knew Psalm 22. And, ah yes, they were all agreed. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. Psalm 22 speaks about the Messiah. It speaks about the Christ of God. And now, 
Ah, look now. Do you see that man hanging on a cross? That man, Jesus of Nazareth, that pitiful creature, dared to say that he is the Messiah. Preposterous, ridiculous. But they knew just how to get him, how to demoralize him, how to destroy him. We'll throw Bible texts at him, they said. We'll let him hear from the Bible what it says about the Messiah. See, there, the devilishness of their mockery. They sought to ridicule the Savior by quoting from a messianic psalm. You think you are the Messiah, do you? You think you are the King of Israel, the fulfillment of Psalm 22? Then let God come down and deliver you from the cross, because that will prove that he desires you. That, you will recall, is what Psalm 22 had said. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. At me. They wag their heads. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. So the psalmist had cried out in his anguish. Remember? And that, I ask, that is the word the crowds now hurl at Jesus in their efforts to mock him, to ridicule him. About that, that was their great mistake, their terrible blunder. Remembered well, it is a dangerous thing to quote a messianic text against a Messiah, as they would soon discover. For notice now what happened. Christ held his peace. He said nothing at all. Oh yes, he was wounded, grievously wounded by their mockery, but he said nothing. Then all of a sudden, there was darkness for three hours an eternity, you can be sure. For three hours, there was an eerie darkness over all the land. And then, about the ninth hour, Christ opened his mouth. He cried out, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Those words, yes, they were a quotation from Psalm 22. 
the psalm with which the crowd had sought to mock him. And then you begin to see it. Oh yes, Jesus was broken down. He was crushed. He suffered terrible agony. He cried out to God in his anguish. But, but when he did, he cried out with the words of Psalm 22. That is significant. That is important. Think of it. In the depth of his agony, Jesus maintained his confession. I, I am the Christ. <coughs> I am the Christ, he said. I am the Son of God. This day, Psalm 22 has come to fulfillment. Oh yes, he cried out that confession before his God who had forsaken him. But also he cried it out before his tormentors who were seeking to mock him. I am he of whom the psalmist spoke, he said. Oh yes, <coughs> oh yes, I know you say that that is impossible. You say that if I am indeed the Christ, that God would surely deliver me from this cross. But, but you do not read the psalm aright. For this, this is what the psalm says, first of all, the Messiah shall be forsaken by God. Just read the opening word of the psalm. Oh yes, you want to turn the psalm against me. But it is this psalm, yes, it is this psalm that proves that I am the Christ. Read the first verse. Christ's fourth word on the cross. Oh yes, it reveals the greatness of his agony. It reveals how small he is over against the Lord God Almighty. But also, it reveals how great, how majestic he is over against the Jews, his tormentors. Think of it. His enemies sought to scorn him, to revile him by quoting a psalm against him. But, uh, but he took the psalm out of their hands. Majestically, he demolished them with one text, I am the Christ, he says. The psalm says this of me. So Christ revealed his awesome majesty. So he forced the people 
to choose. Now they must believe, believe that the one spoken of in the psalm, or they must continue their opposition against him, but without their psalter. And you know what they did? They said, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. They make a play on the words Jesus spoke. But the fact is, they have quickly taken leave of Psalm 22. They would rather not mention or hear mention of that psalm again. They were defeated and they knew it. But now, ah, now they began a new attack from a different angle. They had begun with Psalm 22, but after three hours of darkness, when Christ was dead tired, when he could not go on, when his lips were parched, when he was experienced God-forsakenness, after three hours of darkness, he came to God and man with Psalm 22, the psalm with which the crowd had sought to torment him. So he defeated his enemies. See, there the majesty of the Savior behind the mockery. And now his enemies must retreat and possibly believe that he's the Christ of God, or, or they must continue in their rebellious ways, in defiance of the psalm's testimony concerning the Messiah. Such is the awesomeness of the word proclamation. It always is a savor, a fragrance of life unto life, or it is a savor of death unto death. Also for us today. <coughs> With that I come to the second point, the suffering of Christ in this mockery. You see, the Jews refused to believe. Ah, yes, as we saw, Psalm 22 had been taken away from them, but the mockers immediately launched their attack from a new position. He is calling Elijah, they now said. So a new question presents itself. Had the mockers possibly misunderstood the words of Jesus. Some commentators have thought, have thought so. After all, the words, the word Eloi and the name Elijah do sound a bit alike in the English translation, but surely not in the Hebrew language which Jesus spoke. The Hebrew word Eloi means my God. But in that same Hebrew language, 
the name Elijah is pronounced El Yahweh. So you can be sure no Jew would confuse the two. No Jew had misunderstood Jesus' word that day. Rather, they had consciously, maliciously changed the words of Jesus. What a mean, low-down trick, you say. Ah, yes, but remember, they are doing more than playing with the word of Jesus. Their offense is much more serious, their mockery much more demonic. For think of it, who was Elijah? You know, of course, that Elijah plays a prominent role in Scripture. When we think of Elijah today, we usually think of that conflict with King Ahab. How it was that Elijah had stood up against that rebellious king of Israel. But don't forget, Elijah is mentioned again in the Old Testament. He is mentioned also in the prophecy of Malachi, the very at the very end of the book of Malachi. Behold, said the Lord by mouth of that prophet. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he, Elijah, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Such, you may know, is the very last word of the Old Testament Scripture. And see, Elijah had come. He had come in the person of John the baptizer, remember? Jesus had said that clearly. Speaking of John, Jesus had said, He, he is Elijah who was to come. Well now, when you bear that in mind, you will see how very demonic the mockery hurled against Jesus really is. He is calling Elijah, they said. In other words, people, do you hear that man there on the cross who has come to the end of his strength, who is so very thirsty, who is suffering so tremendously? Ah, hear him now. He is calling for Elijah. He wants as yet to see his forerunner. Ha! Up to now he's been a failure, a no good. Oh yes, he wanted to be the Messiah. 
and he thought that he was the Messiah. But he is not the Messiah. And now, and now he is about to die. And he is still not recognized as the Messiah. Hear him cry for Elijah, the forerunner. Well, let Elijah come. And let Elijah take him from the cross. Ah, yes, let Elijah even now prepare the way before him. Elijah, Elijah, where are you? Help this man take him from the cross. So they mocked Jesus, the Nazarene, who claimed to be the Christ. And they josh each other. They smile knowingly. This is a joke, the biggest joke we've ever heard. A man, a fool, a no good, a failure, and he about to die, a man is calling for his forerunner. How about Elijah? Better hurry. See how wasted this man is. He's almost dead already. Then one of the crowd jumped up and offered Jesus a drink. But the rest cry out, Be gone with you! Are you silly? Don't you hear that the man is calling for Elijah? He's calling for his forerunner, don't you know? Not for you, not for a sponge of vinegar. How about the first man doesn't agree? He says, don't you people see? The poor man is nearly dead. But we've got to give him a chance to see Elijah, don't we? I'll revive him a bit. Then it can never be said that we didn't give him a real chance. So they argued at the foot of the cross. The one says, hands off, we're waiting for Elijah. While the other says, yes, but don't you see, Elijah is rather slow in coming. We have to help him along just a bit. But, but they were all mocking Jesus. Not a one believed that Jesus was, that he is the Christ. Not a one of them seriously considered that Elijah might come. Of course not. After all, this man was surely not the Messiah. So surely... Elijah could not be, was not to be expected, right? So Jesus was mocked when he cried out to God. So he was reviled when he bewailed the depth of his God-forsakenness. 
So he was ridiculed when he proved that Psalm 22 was fulfilled in him. You can hear their agitated talk as they vent their hatred of him. And don't forget, all along, God was silent. No voice was heard from heaven. No word to silence the crowd. No word to encourage the Savior. And see that, I ask, that was the most dreadful of all Christ's suffering. But, I bet that the crowds go on with the talk about Elijah. For the fact is, Christ had called Eloi, my God. In other words, Jesus had called for an answer from God. No, he surely did not need his forerunner anymore. But, but he needed his God to deliver him from the agonies of hell. Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why? But God did not answer him. The only answer he heard was the mockery of those standing at the foot of the cross. She there the depth of Christ's agony. Oh no, not the forsakenness as such, but that his heart-rending cry was answered by the complete silence of God. While the hellish mockery of the demons on Golgotha filled his ears, therein, therein lay the depth of Christ's agony. Such you understand, such is the gospel of our salvation, which I may declare to you today. Remember it well, the suffering which our Savior endured, we should have borne everlastingly. He suffered there for you, for me. It is almost too much to believe. Yet how can anyone dare not to believe? Remember, if we do not now say, He is the Christ, he is my Savior, then we are no different from those who mocked him at Golgotha. If we do not confess him as our king today, how would we be different from them? We must respond. We must say something. Only the Lord God had the right 
to remain silent. What shall we say? Shall we mock him? May God forbid it. No, rather, let us say, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. You, you have the words of life. You are my life. After all, whom have I, Lord, but you on high? None else on earth can satisfy. But you, O God, my soul's deep yearning. For you, my troubled heart is burning. Oh yes, the world will mock us. But God, our God, will not remain silent to our call. After all, the Lord our God, he is the fount of life and grace. He hears our voice, our cry, our supplication, inclines his ear, gives strength and consolation in life and death. Our hearts will seek his face. And so I come to the last thought, the answer of Christ to this mockery. What did Christ say? What was his answer to the mockery hurled at him? Mark tells us, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Matthew puts it a bit different. He says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. In other words, the emphasis is not only on the loudness of Jesus' cry, but also on the relationship between this cry and the fourth word. See, Jesus had cried out, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? The only answer he received was the mockery of the crowd. But God had remained silent. Then, then Jesus opened his mouth again. He cried out again to his God, who had not answered him. You understand? See, Jesus did not let go of his God, who had rejected him. Oh yes, he had knocked, but he had not received an answer. Then he knocked again, and so, in faith, he yielded up his spirit to God. From the depths of hell, he had cried out to God. From the depths of hell, he had knocked at the gates of heaven. He did not see those gates opened to him, but he, he remained steadfast. Never forget, while dying, he knocked at the gate. 
and by dying, he opened the gate for us. <coughs> Therefore, blessed are they who die in the Lord. They may rest from their labors. Their works follow them. So the glorious gates of righteousness are thrown open to us. We may enter into the joy of the Lord today forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat>